y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 50. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean and Spotify, and also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And I want to give a couple of shout-outs to some people on Instagram. Sunny Got Beats, Danny Hastings, Silly Sins, Feet First Music, Prox1GWB, Black Sheep KTR, Alox Fossil, Stomping in My AF1, Ferg, Icer Roja, Silo FWD, I Saw Your Artwork, Looks Dope, Art Gomez 14, and this is it. Yeah. Episode 50. We made it to 50, Carla. How do you feel? I feel old. <laughs> 50, oh my God. Feel, so many years. You feel old? <laughs> you feel old. No, no, no. I like it. Woohoo! It's kind of, I I mean, we, we slacked a little bit. Yeah. There was a little time period there where we slacked a little, but um, I'm really impressed that we made it to 50. Yeah. That's the plan. Cool. The plan is 100. I know. That's the goal. The goal is let's get to 100, yeah. and then we'll see what we do from there, all right? But, so um, we're halfway through. Halfway through. That's good. That's good. Um, all right, so episode 50. Uh, this is a big, chunky episode. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, I decided to tackle... We decided to tackle... Both of us decided to tackle Picasso, mm-hmm. right? Because we watched the series. Uh, shout out to show. Art by Smalls. Art by Smalls uh, from Chico and the Grin podcast. Mm-hmm. He's been ranting and raving about the Picasso <laughs> series for a long time. And it took me a while to get warmed up to it. Finally got around to watching it. And we decided we'll do a review. So we're going to do that in the second part of the show. Yeah. But uh, to go along with that, I decided let me spend my art my art talk section on cubism i want to talk about cubism uh did a quick little wikipedia search just to get a few facts and um just kind of walk through some of the history of it and then maybe we'll talk about what's our impressions of it yeah um i think the show the picasso show does it shows you something it i mean what's you a, a little bit um it doesn't give you the Exactly. impression of what cubism is so if or how big the movement was exactly so if you if you know about it from beforehand going to the show then you have an idea but if you're i guess we'll talk about that in the in the yeah, review in the yeah talk. but yeah. but i think that's where it, it kind of i realized that when i i said well i'm gonna talk about cubism mm-hmm. i realized holy shit i really don't know that much about it and the show i watched the, the mm-hmm. series and it didn't fill in so much no it left a lot for me to study still yeah um so these are my studies let's go (laughs) um no so i did a quick search right so cubism so here's some facts cubism is an early 20th century art movement uh it was brought uh it brought european painting and sculpture historically forward to the 20th century so cubism is being accredited with bringing european art to the modern time 
uh, mm -hmm. to the 20th century modern art. Yeah. Uh, the term is broadly used in association with a wide variety of art produced in Paris during the 1910s mm -hmm. and throughout the 1920s. So we're talking about early 1900s. Yeah. Um, they're saying all the way up to 19, let's say 20s, right? I would say that's before, what is it, the World War Two, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around that time. Yeah. Um, so it's like this, the time when like there was like the, I guess it was like this, was like this big band time and... Yeah, I, I guess you know, it was at... America uh, and Europe was in a whole different place, basically. Yeah, and it was a time in the world where everything was basically falling apart at that time. Mm, not so much because it was the Great Depression. I think it was in the twenties. Mm. But no, it was a time where people were looking towards the future, modernizing, industrial revolution. People were trying to build up cities. Um, the whole concept of urbanization was coming into play, and you know, people leaving the the old ways of living. You know, small farmland and that kind of thing, and kind of yeah. moving more into like big city mentality. Um, And, and I think science and, and modernization was, was, you know, happening. I mean, they, they, this, uh, you know, the, at the time, there was a lot of innovations that made life feel like it was moving faster. Yeah. And I think because of that, that's why Cubism and this art movements were beginning to, like, challenge people and, and break the rules from being just decoration or, or representational mm -hmm. art to being something more about what's the thought behind it mm -hmm. right it, that, that makes sense um the movement was pioneered so back to cubism the movement was pioneered by pablo picasso george george's brock um jean metzinger albert leases robert de luany de Luenay, henry Lef a whole bunch of names here fernand legger um so these people are some of the artists that were part of the movement, but obviously Pablo Picasso was the most famous at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, one primary influence that led to Cubism was the representation of three-dimensional form in the late works of Paul Cezanne. So Paul Cezanne was kind of like the, the inspiration for Cubism is the way that they're crediting him. Okay. Um, the impact of Cubism was far-reaching and wide-ranging in other countries' futurism and Supermatism, su suprematism, dadaism, constructivism, destigial, and art deco developed in response to cubism. So cubism started a movement, and then after cubism, all these other movements kind of took took charge mm -hmm. as a response to cubism. Mm -hmm. um, because in, in art, you know, when you say something, somebody's going to respond with something, right? Yeah, exactly. you, you think that you invented and reinvented something and that you're and the best and, the and then you fade away. And, and then, so other common threads between these desperate different movements is mm -hmm. uh, include the faceting or simplification of geometric forms and the association of mechanization and modern life. So the idea industrial and, and mechanizing and, and modern living and all that kind of mentality is what they were trying to infuse into this. Into the art form. Exactly. Making pieces that look almost like machinery. Well, well, the, the, that machinery is, is part of life. There's a mechanism to life, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Our living is, is a modern living that is not, not just physically machines, but mm -hmm. that is mechanized, is that, organized mm -hmm. and, and structured and all mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. versus a life that is maybe spiritual in the old paintings, mm -hmm. and, you know, and and uh, or maybe like natural landscapes and yeah, all that. Yeah, no, no. You know. um, 
And so uh, in Cubist artwork, objects are analyzed, broken up, and reassembled mm. in an abstracted form. Mm -hmm. Instead of depicting objects from a single viewpoint, the artist depicts the subject from multiple mm. viewpoints um, to represent the subject in a greater context. So this is this goes back to our conversation in the last two episodes of depth and <laughs> yes. 3D yeah. to say that they were looking at the object not only from one point of view but different point of views and looking at geomet geometric uh, forms in order to show different aspects of the of the style and and of the subject because yeah, that's the, the other the other thing that you know people latch on to the idea that cubism is that I take you and I make a cartoon of you and I turn you into a bunch of boxes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or or that I put one eyeball here and one eyeball there mm -hmm. but cubism is more than just it might have it might have had elements of that but it's more than just that it's also looking at the subject matter from different perspectives mm -hmm. looking at the person when they're happy and sad at the same time or looking at the person when they're old and young at the same time so all these things happening at the same time in They one drawing one, yeah. that was a concept that wasn't done before mm -hmm. before you would just draw one concept one thing what you're seeing and that's it mm -hmm. cubism was trying to tell you that the way that we live in a modern living modern philosophy modern psychology everything was modern And therefore, they wanted to show it in their artwork, and they wanted to show how in these modern times, we're m more than one thing. Right. Yeah. We're not just one thing. We're a lot of things mm -hmm. at once. And mm -hmm. in that aspect, kudos for cubism. Amazing, right? Like, great. Right. We needed it, exactly. right? Uh, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be where we are today, where no. we're so free to express ourselves. Yeah. But... I still am not a big fan of cubists. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think it's good, and I like it, but I'm not so enthused in it and mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just because a hundred years later uh or now more than a hundred years later yeah. i don't know if it's just that or or is it because it just you know i i don't have that same ideology i'm not sure um so continuing with the little bit of history and then we'll talk about it more but so there's different categories of cubism i didn't realize so 1907 to 1908 is where it was kind of beginning to 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 happen mm -hmm. and 1907 to 1908 is called proto-cubism so it's the beginning the proto-cubism then 1909 to 1914 is called high cubism so the difference between what they call high cubism which happened a decade after is obviously people now understand the concept right right so high cubism there was a distinct difference between Conweiler's, I'm, I'm going to mess up all these names, but uh -huh. a distinct difference between Conweiler's cubists and the salon cubists. So Conweiler, I think, was a collector or somebody that was a patron mm -hmm. of the early Cuban, I think, uh, cubists. And I think they show they him. They show it in the, in the show, yeah. Yeah. So this, this patron of the early cubists kind of created a, a safe place for these early cubists to develop this concept mm -hmm. and this idea, mm -hmm. right? And, he, and, and they displayed it. Mm -hmm. in in their in their circles of of uh, art collectors later on in what they call high cubism is when they started showing it in salons out to the public to a bigger audience and they started to have different cubists come about and that were the showing the work the concept in a broader scale hmm. and and it and the style changed a little bit because of that yeah so here it says um there was a distinct difference between Conweiler's cubists and the Salon cubists. Prior to 1914, Picasso, Brock, Greece, and Leisure 
to a lesser extent, gained the support of a single committed art dealer in Paris, Daniel Conwell, who guaranteed them an annual income for the exclusive right to buy their works. Mm -hmm. So he, he patroned them. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he paid them. Uh, Conweiler sold only to a small circle of connoisseurs. Yeah. In contrast, the salon cubists who came after built their reputation primarily by exhibiting regularly at the Salon de Atom and the Salon de Independence, mm -hmm. uh, both major non-academic salons in Paris. They were inevitably more aware of, of the public response and the need to communicate. I so the see. people that were a little more public had to get more reaction. From, they knew they were going to get more of a reaction from people, so they changed. They adjusted their, their ways of painting and, yeah. and exhibiting, yeah. knowing that they were going to get a, a backlash or a response, right. whether they wanted it or not. Right. Um, the first public controversy generated by Cubism resulted from a salon showing um, at the Independent during the spring of 1911. Uh, this showing by Metzinger, Gleases, Deloanay, Le some other dude, and Ledger, brought Cubism to the attention of the general public for the first time. Amongst so when it became controversial is when it became public. Yeah. And I and more than likely, maybe Picasso wasn't even making that much noise back then. No, and more because he had a big ego. Right. That I'm guessing that if he was in that space he was not going to be able to to just get the criticism and continue doing Correct. his work. I think he was going to go after them and say, who are you to say that my work is not good or not? Exactly. So so I think in, in this situation, the, Cubism probably got exposed mm -hmm. by events that happened outside of mm -hmm. Picasso's circle. Yeah. And then he kind of like chimed in and, and continued and it with like, the energy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, because there was a famous article. So here it says, um, this showing that exhibit, right, that got the controversy amongst the Cubist works presented was Robert Delaney, uh, Delouanet exhibiting his Eiffel Tower piece, mm. uh, Tour Eiffel. So that, that piece mm -hmm. is something that got, do you know that piece? I don't know that piece, but we all know Guernica. We all know P exactly. Picasso's pieces, right? Exactly, yeah. But we don't know the first Cubist piece that got controversy. So that's what I'm saying, like, I think, I think, I think it's easy to see that, you know, back then it's the same as now. The, the people who make the loudest noise and get the controversy are the ones that are going to get the attention, but the other people might take advantage of that attention and run with it if you don't stay on top of it. Um, so there was a New York Times article that was published a year after, um, Galette Burgess's The Wild Men of Paris. That, this is the name of the article, The okay. Wild Men of Paris. And two years prior to the Armory Show, which introduced the astonished Americans to this, to this movement, movement. Mm -hmm. accustomed to a realistic, they were accustomed to a realistic art style, uh, to the experimental style of the European avant-garde, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, so in this, in this article, they showed um, pieces of, of, of cubist art yeah. and they say the most extreme forms of cubism were not those practiced by Picasso and Brock who resisted total abstraction other cubists by contrast especially this guy Kuka and those considered orphists um, they, they stuck to abstraction by remo removing any of the real 
visible subject matter altogether. So yeah. there was even other cubists. Yeah. That were, that were even more extreme. More extreme. In terms of being more abstract, which I'm, I'm sure people at that time were like, oh my God, what are you doing? Because we're used to seeing beautiful pieces or, where you can really recognize exactly. what is on the picture. And now you're trying to just mixed up everything yeah and, and and just not even tell not even tell us what it what's in what it. is exactly and um so so this actually this movement the, the extreme what they what they consider the extreme form of cubism called orphists that's mm -hmm. o-r-p-h-i-s-t-s orphists i looked them up really cool looking stuff looks like a lot of the graffiti that i'm seeing now it's crystallized look it up o-r-p-h-i-s-t T.S. Orphists. Looks like crystallized. It reminds me of what I, we see the um, homeboy uh, C. Yeah. Um, not CTF. C1. C1. What you see C1 do with the shards? Yeah. His shards of. It looks a lot like that. It's yeah. like the little shards, little crystallized things. And that, you know, a hundred years ago, mm -hmm. you know, must have been like, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. if, if nowadays people still would look at it and be like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But. That was interesting. That was an interesting thing to learn about. So later on, continue with the timeline. 1914-1921 is considered late cubism. And then um, there's another thing called crystal cubism. Talking about crystal stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crystal cubism is 1914-1918. So in the 1920s, let's say. Let's say cutoff point is 1920s. Yeah. So there was, they say that there was a significant modification of cubism between 1914 and 1916. That was signaled by a shift towards a strong emphasis on large overlapping geometric planes and flat surface activity. So a lot more about design and flat shapes mm -hmm. um, than like the rough stuff of early cubism that was almost like a portrait deconstructed. Right. They yeah. started turning it more into like the flat geometric shapes, shapes. and like and more um, 2D drawing, two-dimensional drawing. Yeah, more linear. Exactly. Um, this grouping of styles of painting and sculpture, especially significant between the 1917s and 1920s, was practiced by several artists, particularly those under contract with the art deal with the art dealer and collector Leon Rosenberg. The tightening of the compositions, the clarity and sense of order reflected of these works led to its being referred to by the critic Maurice Reynaud as crystal cubism. So it was a lot more organized, a lot more designed, mm -hmm. a lot more, I would say, but because I took a look at the art, I would say it starts to look a lot more linear cartoon, like a poster. Like, like it's yeah. designed to be cubism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think maybe that's people taking the idea that was begun so long ago as a way of seeing things and taking it and turning it into a decoration, a design style. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. now if you did that design style, that's that's cubism, but that's crystallized, cubic, you know, crystal cubism. Something that is more, uh, something that people can understand better. That, that they can see right away and say, that's cubism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't look at they it and go, what is it? They go, oh, that is cubism. It's when you take the person and you abstract them and you shape them and you mm -hmm. take an object and you re redesign it and, mm -hmm. and it's flat and it's shapes. No need to render right. or to, or to kind of try to make a figure like yeah you know it was just straight linear yeah because i'm looking at the orifice oh, yeah you, you looked it up yeah and it's actually pretty cool like right? you said and i can see why people at that time were like oh my god what is this but 
because I'm looking at it right now, I see that this can be in any museum yep. and be an amazing piece that everybody will be looking at and analyzing. Yeah. And actually looks like Dali a little bit. Yep. Because he has those things where, where you can see almost like a clock and it's almost like it has a story behind it. Yeah. But it's just they felt tower. Well, so a lot of a lot of the stuff that I read just quickly and, and that's all that's all the history i'm going to give you guys i'm sorry to bore you guys with history but that's all the history i'm going to give you the rest you guys got to fill in the blanks because I, I, i can't talk about all the whole movement mm -hmm. in 20 minutes, 20 minutes yeah. but um i think from everything that i saw and everything that i read i think i i get the impression just like every other movement that uh, every other art movement that i get the impression that it takes the first people to start it to come up with an idea It could be a handful of people. It takes some patrons or some people that believe in what you're doing yeah. to, to kind of uh, give you a place to show it, to discuss it, mm -hmm. to open the conversation. Mm -hmm. It takes that kind of like nurturing of the early stages to kind of get an idea and a concept going and get people excited about an idea. Yeah. Um, because when you look at the painting outside of that context, if you look at those early Cubist paintings, it's like, okay whatever in, yeah. in our time but if somebody were to explain to us the significance of it and what's the thought behind it and all this stuff then it's a it's more right yeah, it yeah. becomes more and it becomes more significant after the fact that other people latched onto it mm -hmm. and continued the concept mm -hmm. you know what what justifies those early paintings is what happened afterwards that people imitated it and refined it exactly. and and took it and did it did with it what they wanted to do with it that people actually saw potential in those early paintings exactly in the concept mm -hmm. um and and i think the reality that P picasso is probably the most famous one who knows if he even coined the concept mm -hmm. who even knows if he even coined the if he even started the real word cubism like how can you know. even yeah you don't know like the detail i mean i'm sure if i studied it there might be an answer but i doubt it I, yeah. I would imagine that it's a movement and he was part of it and he was grouped with those people at I that mean, time. This is like a preview to the next uh, section, but in the show they they did try to say as if he invented his own style of painting yeah. because he didn't want it to be the same as the classic artist. Exactly. Uh, so so it, they tried to say as if he was the one that invented an uh, uh, abstract way of painting, but we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, the show didn't really no. give us factual fact, fact, no. facts. No. But um, I think if you guys are interested in Cubism, research it. I think it's worth it. Obviously, Picasso and Cubism became a big part of the art movement, of our modern art movement. A hundred years later, we're still talking about him and talking about the art movement. Obviously, it influenced graffiti. Yeah, a lot. It influenced what I do, mm -hmm. even if I don't like it 100%. <laughs> It did inspire a lot of people that I appreciate, and it inspired, you know, my art. So, everybody, we'll find out more about it. Culture talk. Culture talk. So, in this culture talk, we're going to be reviewing season two of the show, Genius by the National Geographic. And it's genius slash Picasso. 
yeah so this is season two so season two is picasso and but you know they made a point one of the reviewers made a point that what first first season was called genius oh yeah second season is called genius slash picasso Picasso? yeah they actually included his name because on season one was dedicated to einstein correct and now they put genius and uh, maybe they maybe they were not thinking on continuing exactly and they just did genius it's just albert einstein and now maybe they saw a good response of the people of the viewers and yep they continue with more seasons for sure that's pretty cool so what is genius genius is an anthology period drama television series developed by noah pink and kenneth Biller, uh, that premiered on April 25, 2017 on National Geographic. Okay. Um, they describe it as a docudrama, at least online. It says that it's a docudrama, so documentary and drama. Yeah. Um, right now has the two seasons that we just talked about, Albert Einstein and Picasso. And it basically explores the life of geniuses by showing their personal experience of growth and the challenges that they had to obtain their success right um at least uh for picasso it was nominated to the emmy awards in 2018 as an outstanding cinematography outstanding sound mixing um outstanding limited series and outstanding lead actor for antonio banderas oh wow so it got a lot of of recognition and for this season what they did is they were running uh two parallel stories of picasso through the episodes it was picasso in his early 20s um which was played by alex rich and it depicted a passionate artist finding his vision and then on the second story was Um, framed around the Nazi occupation of Paris follows and it follows an older Picasso played by Antonio Banderas Hmm. so now I guess we can get into the review of the show yeah of this season of genius yeah so it was 10 episodes it was 10 episodes yeah um and so I think I would say all spoilers yeah. So anybody who's curious about the show, we're going to tell you everything. We're not going to hide anything because it's basically his life. Exactly. It's nothing so, to hide. There's nothing to hide. If you read a book, you'll get the same information. If you could look at his Wikipedia, you're going to get the same information. It's just basically his life. But uh, in a drama. In a drama. Telenovela. Uh, in a telenovela, exactly. And I think that goes into play where... So I, I, a lot of people were talking about... You know, people were telling me, not just John Smalls, even mm-hmm. though he was one of the big people that was constantly telling me that it was a good show, but... Um, other people were, were talking about the show mm-hmm. and I think I think um, I wasn't sure if it was more of a documentary or more of a drama I think at the end of the day it is more of a novella it's more of a drama yeah um, some of the things that I felt were left out were I thought I was going to see more about his art right I thought they were going to attempt to explain cubism to me yeah or attempt to explain the significance between be, behind his art that I would understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they were going to take the time to make me understand it. Like, mm-hmm. make me understand why is his art, art important. Yeah. And 
I don't think they did. I think over the 10 episodes, specifically about his art, they just kind of told me it was good. You got like maybe a 15% that talk about his art and everything else was his personal life and how his personal life inspired his art. Correct. But 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 it didn't but it didn't, it didn't inspire me to 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 like his art. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. like it, you either like his art already or forget or, about it. Exactly. Because because they didn't try to convince you that his art yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't um how can I put it? Um sometimes you see docudramas or documentaries about people that do things that you're not into. Right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you feel like you would like to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're like they can show mm -hmm. you a documentary about a guy who flies planes, mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you know everything. You know everything about flying planes, and you feel that you could fly a plane, and yeah. you want to fly a plane because because it looks so interesting and it's like, so exciting. You understand why the person was so into that thing. I don't feel like they did that. Yeah. Here. I think that they tried uh, with the beginning. You remember when he was a kid and he was going to school and learning about art and his father was a, right. a professor of uh, of classic art yep. and he wanted him to be a classic artist and then when you see him trying to break that mold that his father was trying to create for him in that time I was understanding a little bit I was like well yeah I can see why he would try to do something different yeah. because he saw himself as something more Yeah. Uh, but then they just left it like that. And then his adventures um, as a person started and as an artist as well. But it explored more about his personal feelings. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's too. Um, I don't know if it's too. Maybe it's too difficult to, to illustrate what's inside of an artist's head. But I feel like other movies or, or series have done it they've yeah. explored what's like in a mathematician's head right or what, i was thinking about the leonardo da vinci show that you were watching before yeah um i don't know how was that show for you it but was, it was a lot of fantasy too yeah awesome. and because you know it's so far back in time that right, a that lot of it is, have to it create. has to be yeah. fantasy this is not that far behind that there's still modern living there so you still understand that there's a, there has to be a sense of reality mm -hmm. you can't just be so fantasy mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i don't know shit I, i don't know how to explain it but there's just something there was something missing there in in his art right yeah um but talking about the, the series in general okay talking about as a series as a tv show i would say it's entertaining and it's it's mm -hmm. a it's a good a good soap opera you know like it it, it reveal it, there's plenty of stuff to, to talk about because they picked picasso picasso had a whole bunch of lovers and and, and two wives and yeah you know. so he had his first well his first love was fernandi olivier uh then his first wife was olga koklova yeah then he went to Marie Therese then he met Dora then he met <laughs> Francois and then he married again the last wife and the last lover he had which was Jacqueline yeah and all of them 
majority of them were younger than him for yeah. a lot. Um, so almost all, when you see the show, all his lovers are younger. Yeah, I mean, and obviously that, that that's good for no soap operas and novelas, yeah, like to have a character like that because it, it gives you plenty to talk about. It's a lot of gossipy. And more because of the way that they were doing the show where they were jumping from time to time. So they were in the past, and then they will go to the future, then they will go to the past again. Yeah. Uh, so that will give you... Uh, they will give you... In, in every episode, was almost like a new season. Yeah. <laughs> because it was a whole a new story. Uh, they're telling you about him meeting her and, and what they did. And yeah. I would say... I would say some of the good points. Now, now let's get into good points and bad points. Some of yes. the good points of the show, mm -hmm. of this, of the series, so that it doesn't feel like I'm just trashing it. Because it's not, I'm not. I, I would recommend it. I think people out there, you should go check it out. Check mm -hmm. out the Genius Picasso. I think it's a good series. Um, I think some of the good things about it is it is entertaining because the fact that he has all this like, you know, jumping in and out of relationship stuff, you know, that's what you expect to see from an artist and that's what they present. They mm -hmm. present to you the cliche of an artist. Yeah. That is looking for muse, a muse and he's looking for inspiration and then these women and these relationships affect his artwork yeah. and affect his moods and all this stuff. Understood. I totally get it. It is also enter entertaining to see the idea of somebody who's going to become a, a future art celebrity and to see him growing and, and developing that's interesting yeah i get that yeah um the locations are great yeah the, the cinematography is really nice yeah the, the the fact that it's out you know you're, you're in france you're in spain you're you know that's great mm -hmm. of course that's that's fun to to watch um i think the actors did a great job yeah yeah they did i think antonio banderas did a, did a really good job for mm -hmm. hit for playing the older picasso he did a i, I was convinced like i i didn't see antonio banderas i saw no, picasso me too Even though it's just Antonio Banderas acting as himself, <laughs> yeah. But I think he did a good job with the with the characterization and the dialogue mm -hmm. that they wrote for him. I think it was good, very good. Um, he he showed an older, more mature side than than what he's done in the past. Mm -hmm. I think the other guy, the young guy, Alex Rich. Alex Rich. Alex Rich. I don't know from anywhere. I just had to look him up, and then I found that he was in a show called Glow that I saw on Netflix. It was about women wrestling yeah uh the gorgeous ladies of wrestling mm. um i don't even remember him in that show mm -hmm. the guy's really not a big actor but he did a good job in this he did i think he, i was convinced when yeah. i saw it and and i really thought that he was the perfect uh actor to portray him I, but the funny thing is that he does an impersonation of antonio banderas exactly no when that's, it, that's which is funny when uh we were watching an interview with antonio banderas and alex rich and he was saying no i was trying to pick up antonio banderas oh, really? accent because i knew that he was going to portray him when he was older he did it and i don't have a spanish accent so i learned from antonio banderas that's funny so basically he was imitating antonio banderas with picasso's life yeah 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 that's yeah. good no they did they pulled that off well Yeah. Um, I think that the younger Picasso, the scenes with him and the, the stories with him. I think those were stronger. Like, uh, I agree. I think more emotional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stronger. Yeah, they, they, they had more impact. And, and, and the, um, the, the, the relationships were more turbulent when, when he was younger. But he had more meaning. Yeah. 
it felt like it had more meaning when he was younger than when he was older. It felt like, but Picasso, you should know better. Right. You have gone through so much already. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. why is it that you cannot just see that if you cannot have a, a serious relationship, right, or stay with just one person, so just let them go. Stay alone. Have your affairs. Have fun, but then don't try to make somebody be with you if you know already how it's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the Antonio Banderas relationships on the show, the older mm -hmm. Picasso relationships, are him clinging on. Mm -hmm. they, they show a lot of him clinging on to, you know, these relationships. The younger one, he's kind of like just trying to find himself and, and there's relationships in, in the way. Yeah. The older one is more like he's clinging on to these relationships. He's, he's trying to he's trying to control them, but they're not being controlled. And yeah. He's losing his grip on, on, you know, the old version of him. He doesn't understand why people aren't playing along to his right. his ideas. Um, I mean, that's all good novella stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what the show had, yeah. honestly. Because, because if I want to get into the negatives, which we kind of started with the negatives already, but <laughs> if I wanted to get into the negatives, yeah. The negatives are they don't really focus on the art. They focus more on... They show you art, mm -hmm. but they don't really explore or illustrate for you why. I you think... Know, they have to... In order for them to make it important to you, they have to put you into the mentality of the people back in that time. Yeah. And they didn't. I'm, yeah. As I'm watching it, I'm still watching it in the year 2000, you know, 18, watching 1918, watching this and saying, looking back and saying, you know... Why is this important to me? Why do I care? Yeah, I you think know? the only one that they made a big deal about it was the Guernica. And it was because um, Dora took pictures of him when she when he was painting it. Yeah. So yeah. they wanted to show like why, how Dora was influencing him to do the Guernica. But, but even then, it didn't feel like you're in the studio with him. No, no, no. So that's what painting I'm Painting for let's say even at least a whole episode yeah, no. where you're like just him and like what perfect perfect okay here's a critique a negative critique they didn't they didn't show me how how much work it took to paint it uh-huh that's what i was thinking too none of his paintings no they just he would just say that he's he's got to be this new this and, new and piece of art saying... it's got to break the barriers but they never showed me him breaking a sweat staying yeah. up nights coming back the next day mixing exactly. his paint you and know the, at the easel like hours and hours and hours like i didn't see that and they were saying that art was his first love and that he only cared about art but i didn't saw that through the show through the show i saw that he cared about women exactly and that he cared about having affairs but i didn't saw him really working hard staying in the studio just to work for art i saw him staying in the studio to stay with women because i mean but that might be something that i'm picking up on because i'm an artist yeah yeah but as an artist i know that art is a very lonely and boring and quiet process mm -hmm. and if you're gonna tell me that that guernica's or any art is an exciting they, they do that in a lot of these shows they yeah, mess yeah. they mess up how they show artists paint because they make it seem like it's exciting and fun and it's not mm -hmm. it's very like long and deliberate and it yeah. takes time and it takes effort and it takes work yeah. and it's never with the you know you just show up and you have an inspiration and you just right. you, chum, 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 and now you're done right, cut right. and yeah. then move on to the guy 
you know, people applauding. Like, yeah. it's not like that. Well, another thing uh, that also the shows, uh, the show shows is um, everybody's ego. I feel like everybody's egos is portrayed in the show in a way that um, everybody is individualistic to find whatever they want, but they don't come together to for a common ground. And I feel that's why his relationship fell because he was up to his own ego, but then the people that were with him also wanted his their own thing, so their they couldn't thing, right. come to an understanding yeah. and an agreement. I, I, that's unique. That's unique into all these relationships of that show, the yeah. whole cast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you see that how everybody's looking out for their own ideas and interest like francois even francois being with him but then being her own self and saying i'm not gonna be with you because you're not really supporting me yeah. in what i want to do so i have to go and continue i don't know it's i, I think the show had a lot to say in a short period of time mm -hmm. especially with so many relationships mm -hmm. Usually, a, a show, a, a miniseries that has 10 episodes will, will handle maybe one or two relationships for characters. See what they won't like, like 10 relationships? Yeah, they wouldn't handle it that like this way. No. And I think it was very ambitious to try to do all of these relationships in one little show. On top of that, they tiptoed or kind of like went over all the... Out of all these lovers who they had he had kids with... They kind of glossed over these kids, yeah, exactly. and the, and the impact on on his actual legacy. Exactly. How these kids and the women fighting over the the um the estate, mm -hmm. what what they inherited, mm -hmm. you know, because he left behind kids and some kids that weren't he was never married to the parents mm -hmm. to the to the mother, mm -hmm. and so the kids, the the uh, who was it? I think it was Francois, was yeah. it Francois? Yeah, it was Francois that's the mother of Paloma and Claude that, that she ended up fighting with Jacqueline at the yeah, end Colin, of it, yeah. you know, after his death about claiming, you know, estate for the kids. For the kids, yeah. Um, where the last wife didn't have any kids with him. Exactly. And there was a, a, a an, uh, an estate dispute. Mm -hmm. um, the other person, the, the Russian woman, the Russian ballerina, she had a, a son with him. Mm -hmm. um, Olga Marie, and Marie Therese. Marie Therese had a, had a daughter, Maya. Yeah. They kind of glossed over it. They kind of, they showed it, but you didn't get what's the impact and what's, and, 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 and what's their story. And like, yeah, I think true. those elements to introduce them into one show was a lot. It's true. Go check it out, guys. Right? Hablando Español, Carla. Yes. Okay, so let's start with... Yes. Cubism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fail in the first one. Cubism. Cubism is cubismo, I guess. Yes. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Is it said like that? Cubismo? Yes. Did you ever say cubism back in the day in Puerto Rico when you were back on the island? I've heard about cubismo? it. As, yeah, as the art movement I've heard Is it about it. cubismo or did they yeah. say it in English? No, no, cubismo. Cubismo, mm -hmm. okay. How much of Picasso did you learn? Not a lot, really. I think it it was more about the the. Um, I've heard the name, right. like I knew there was an artist out there, um, and about the Warnick or something like that, but nothing in detail, no. Okay. All right, let's keep going. Come on. Okay. Um, how do you say anthology? Anthology. 
ant antoli antología yes antología 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 anthology yes you're not gonna make me slip how do you say documentary documentary is I think we did this one yes, and I, I got did. it wrong last time. So let's see if you. Do, let's know. see if I learned already. Cabeza y duro. Documental. Si. Was it? Si. Okay. You got it. Alright. Uh, how do you say paintings? Paintings. Pinturas. Yeah. Or cuadros. Yes. Um, how do you say decade? What? How do you say decade? Decade. Um, decado. Decada. 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 Yes. Decade is decada. Yes. Una decada. Una decada. Okay. Um, and the last one I have is how do you say timeless? Timeless. <laughs> Sin tiempo. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> they on on uh, Google Translate. Yeah, it timeless. says "sin tiempo," but there's another word for it. They say "sin tiempo" for timeless. Yeah. Uh, Google Translate. Yeah, I don't know about that one. All right, it's so, not really. So, what do you say for timeless? Um, eterno, also. Eternal. Yeah. It's timeless. Yeah. Eterno. So what you're but saying? It can be... Most commonly, people would say eterno instead of saying timeless. Yeah. But if you're if you're talking about let's say a piece um, a piece that is timeless, um, you'll say maybe um, una pieza que, que no tiene caducidad. ¿Cómo? Que no tiene caducidad. Caducidad. What's caducidad? Caducidad is like it has a date of expiration. Oh, an expiration, expiration time. Date. Okay, okay. So maybe you say like no tiene caducidad. Caducidad o, o que eh, no se le puede poner eh, eh, no tiene final es, es casi right, como right. decir eterno no 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 but it's different expiration yeah. date yeah yeah, yeah. caducidad yeah. que no tiene caducidad yeah that's more like timeless mm -hmm. yeah because sin tiempo I don't know and, and eterno is eternal but it's not that's not really what you're saying when you say something's timeless you know right it's, right it's you try eternal. to you try to say that that thing is, has some characteristics that makes it that can last forever but no that you not forever you're saying that it has outlasted its time uh, yeah, yeah yeah like we're not saying this is gonna last forever until the until even when we're gone but that that it's up to this point that it yeah up to the time that we're talking about it now it's mm -hmm. timeless mm -hmm. so what words do you have uh, just a couple of words one word is because we're talking about picasso and he had so many lovers how do you say lover Aman in espanol Amante. Amante. Yeah. I think we covered this one time. There's amante for lover, but then how about mistress? Because he had mistresses is what he had. Amantes. No, but we had another... We had a... Bueno, hay, hay, hay el término vulgar. Mistress. Amante. Querida. Querida is a mistress. In, a, in some places they said la querida for the mistress. Really? Yeah. But it's la amante. Hmm. La amante usually yeah. is the word used for mistress, yeah. Okay. But it's also for lover. Fine. <laughs> what about um he was, you know, painting until his old age, right? He never retired. How do you say retirement? 
Retiro. Retiro? Just mm -hmm. like that, just retiro? Mm -hmm. All right. So then, and then the last one, um, he was very stubborn. How do you say stubborn? Cabeciduro. No, come on. Well, we say terco. Sí. O terco, sí. Terco, is a, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so terco. Mm -hmm. Caso was very, era bien terco. Bien. Very stubborn. Right, Carla, another episode done. Yes, we're done with our 50th episode. What? So now we're gonna be on the 51st episode. Next episode, 50, episode 51. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna be doing a Halloween special episode. Yes. We're gonna talk about what? We're gonna talk about horror movies in Spanish language and other foreign countries. And or I'm foreign gonna, language. I'm gonna give you guys a little list of some of my favorite horror artists artists that specialize in art all right see you guys in <laughs>